1: Podcast For the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world, today is Thursday, August 27th. What a whirlwind 24 hours it has been in the sporting world. It, of course, started yesterday morning when the Milwaukee Bucks made the decision to boycott yesterday's playoff game they had against the Orlando Magic in solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement to protest uh, the tragic killing of Jacob Blake. Bring attention to police brutality to the systemic racism we see here in our criminal justice system in the United States. And of course, all of us tennis fans were wondering, would that uh, protest carry into tennis? Would any of these athletes competing in the Western and Southern Open and then eventually the U.S. Open in New York uh, stand in solidarity with that movement, take a moment to again stand, uh, show their support for these protests? And of course, as she has so frequently done over these past five and a half months as she has so frequently done throughout her young career, it was Naomi Osaka showing the courage, displaying the leadership to step out and to announce that she would not be playing Thursday's matches in solidarity with these protests, in solidarity with all of those fighting uh, the injustices we continue to see happening on our streets here in America. And rather than, you know, discuss what she did, I can put it in her words because she released the following statement and I just think it's so eloquently Describes, uh, you know, uh, displays, shares, uh, conveys—all any of those words conveys uh, why she made this decision. And it starts, "Hello." As many of you are aware, I was scheduled to play my semifinal matches tomorrow. However, before I am an athlete, I am a black woman. And as a black woman, I feel as though there are much more important matters at hand that need immediate attention rather than watching me play tennis. I don't expect anything drastic to happen with me not playing, but if I can get a conversation started in a majority white sport, I consider that a step in the right direction. Watching the continued genocide of black people at the hand of police is honestly making me sick to my stomach. I'm exhausted of having a new hashtag pop up every few days, and I'm extremely tired of having the same conversation over and over again. When will it ever be enough? Hashtag Jacob Blake, Breonna Taylor, Elijah McLean, and George Floyd. And look, I, I don't think I need to explain to any of you listeners how powerful that message is, how just amazing it is to see someone use her platform at such a young age uh, to fight for the causes she believes in, to have the confidence in her convictions, to take a stand. It would be so easy for Naomi Osaka to just keep playing along, to just keep enjoying her popularity, continuing to have success on the tennis court, but she didn't do that. And the USTA, the ATP, the WTA, they stood in solidarity with her. They announced the following statement late last night, quote, as a sport, tennis, tennis is collectively taking a stance against racial inequality and social injustice that once again has been thrust to the forefront in the United States. The USTA, ATP Tour, and WTA have decided to recognize this moment in time by pausing tournament play at the Western and Southern Open on Thursday, August 27th. Play will resume on Friday, August 28th. And for those of you wondering, of course, you know, for uh, Naomi Osaka, she has announced she will be playing uh, on Thursday. Her quote: "As you know, I pulled out of the tournament yesterday in support of racial injustice and continued police violence. I was and am ready and prepared to concede the match to my opponent. However, after my announcement and after lengthy consultation with the WTA, I agreed to play at their request on Friday. Again, I have agreed at their request to play on Friday. They offered to postpone all matches until Friday, and in my mind, that brings." more attention to the movement. I want to thank the WTA and the tournament for their support, and again, this is exactly what she uh, was hoping, is that it would be a day dedicated to advancing this conversation, and that is what this day has been. Now, of course, here on this podcast, we want to talk about the Western and Southern Open, the USTA ATP WTA's decision to stand in solidarity with Naomi Osaka, what this means as a moment in player empowerment for so many of these players, what it means. You know, that Naomi Osaka was able to stand up and make this decision. Should we be surprised from that, you know, given everything she has done already in her young career with her platform? And there's no better guest I can think of to talk about all those things with than our guest today. Uh, Obviously, you know her work at baseline.tennis.com and tennis.com as an editor, writer, producer. You also know her as the host of our Tennis.com podcast, brethren of this Tennis Channel podcast network. Uh, Anita Pantic joins the show once again to discuss again this monumental moment in the history of tennis. I will also say Nina joins me for a Great Shot podcast tomorrow that all of you listeners should enjoy as well where we talk our top contenders for the women's crown of this U.S. Open. And of course, it's a wide open field on the women's side. So I know all of you will enjoy that conversation as well. Uh, But I wanted to bring Nina on to talk about this. Wanted to have a guest to share, uh, you know, just someone well-versed, you know, well-informed and just well-plugged into the tennis world to talk about what this means, the history of this decision in relation to other things that have happened in tennis's past. And so uh, that is why we had the delay in the mini break today. I apologize for that. Wanted to, again, have a more educated, more well-informed conversation so all of you listeners, so that you can feel the same way about this topic. But, the reason we are able to have these conversations day in, day out here on the mini-break is because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. Normally, on a Thursday, you would hear an Aerobar episode of getting to the point where we focus on the importance of nutrition, of uh, fitness in the modern game of tennis. Of course, this week, uh, that podcast is going to be a Cracked Interviews, and we have a fantastic guest, former Top 10 WTA player in both singles and doubles. Brenda Schultz-McCarthy joins us to talk about her career talk about the importance of nutrition fitness to her uh to the success she had talk about the ways you know players approaching fitness and nutrition has changed and then you know of course talk about why she enjoys Aero Bar so much talk about some fun stories from her past as well it's a great conversation I know all of you listeners will enjoy so be sure to go check that out on our cracked interviews podcast and again if an Aerobar bar is good for someone as high quality as brenda Schultz McCarthy she shares her love for them within the episode and you can tell it's a genuine affection, folks. Uh, they're good enough for you as well. So go to aerobar.com. Use that promo code CRACKED15. You'll get 15% off your order free uh, and you'll know, just free. off. Excuse me. I'm starting to blend promo codes, all these different things. But anyways, it comes with a podcast as well. Delicious cinnamon, honey oat, and chocolate chip flavors. Aerobar.com. The promo code is Cracked15. You can also go to MidwestSports.com one more day to get in on their Western Southern Open giveaway on Friday. They're giving out four free tickets to the 2021 Western Southern Open event. Doesn't that sound good to you folks? I'm sure it does. Go to MidwestSports.com. Learn more about that offer. And of course, while you're there, update all of your gear. Make sure you have everything Thing you need and when you do use our promo code CR15 because you're going to get 15% off your order free two-day shipping on all orders over $75 and best of all a free can of Wilson extra duty tennis balls you name it they've got it Nike, Adidas, Wilson, Babylon, Head all of the above find it all on their website MidwestSports.com and while you're there use that promo code CR15 alright with that being said let's get to my conversation with tennis.com's the этоить дожд our list of the top contenders for the women's singles title at this year's u.s open you of course know her as a writer editor and producer on tennis.com one of our fellow podcast brethren here on the tennis channel podcast as she hosts the tennis.com podcast a returning champion nina pantich welcome back to the show it is great to get to speak with you how are you doing
2: It's great to be back. I'm doing well. I'm excited for the challenge we have ahead of us trying to figure out this women's field at the U.S. Open. It's going to be madness.
1: I, I think I'm balding anyways, but I will say this has certainly accelerated the pace. It feels like every time I shower, I go to the towel and I'm like, why are there that many hairs? And I think it's because I'm you know, stressing out trying to figure out who's going to win this women's draw. It's been a common theme in all of the podcasts we've done discussing New York. It legitimately feels like you know 50, okay, that might be a little hyperbole, but you could make a case for 30 people without getting laughed out of a room.
2: Easily I'm with you I think you can make a case a strong case for about 20 30 of them are definitely contenders and I, I just I kind of love this though because it makes things more interesting that's really an exciting time for women's tennis and definitely an exciting time in New York City.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think for all of us to get to see these three weeks of tennis, it's just after what we've all gone through these past five and a half months, it's so nice to get into that routine. You wake up, you look at the order of play, and you're like, oh my God, I have tennis all day. And it was funny on Wednesday, which I guess is yesterday, but it even feels like a lifetime ago given everything that's happened. I kind of woke up and I saw there were only eight matches on the schedule. I was like, huh? I feel kind of robbed, like I'm used to more tennis, I want 22 matches, I want to be like, oh, I missed that set tiebreaker between Opelka and whomever, and so I got to go back and watch that a little bit later, you know, for you, I know you were on site in West Virginia at the Greenbrier for the World Team Tennis season, but how has it been getting back into that routine of watching all these matches and breaking it all down?
2: Right. It's definitely different. When I was at World Team Tennis, that was absolute mayhem. But I was on the grounds and I felt like a more normal, almost like a normal tournament environment. Almost. Uh, now, now, you know, I've never actually been to Cincinnati, to the Western Southern Open. I've never covered it on the grounds. So for me, it didn't feel that crazy. I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Like we have pretty good access. We have a lot of players doing press and interviews and stuff. And I've, I've, I've definitely enjoyed it. Would I prefer to be on site? Of course, I think anyone would, but it's been, it's been pretty good. I think the organizers, the ATP, WTA, USTA have done a phenomenal job of like making sure everything runs smoothly. Of course, it's virtual, so it's safe. And I I mean, I don't know, it's not a bad time to be a tennis journalist after what was six months of kind of uncertainty for us.
1: Yeah, no, completely agree with you there. And I'm sure you've talked to some of the players on the ground. Some of the things I'm hearing is it's been now, what, six, seven, maybe eight-plus days for a lot of these players in this hotel. I am starting to hear players are getting a little bit restless. And, you know, in terms of the play we've seen, even before we get into anything else, again, since I have you here, might as well explore that wonderful brain of yours. Uh, what have you thought about the return of action? I, I feel like, you know, you know, I have some of my problem, I always ask a question and then answer it. I apologize for that. Feel like the play was a little bit sloppy early on, but it's gotten better and better as this week's progressed. What have you thought of the actual tennis we've seen thus far?
2: I think it's been a lot higher than I expected. Like, I watched Lexington pretty closely because that was the first one on my radar, and it was it was very high there as well. But I think the level of play has been surprisingly high. There's been a lot of upsets. Obviously, number one, number two seed, Cannon, and Pliskova lost early. That doesn't surprise me. I can see how players... Didn't get as many matches in maybe during the summer as other players. Maybe he came in feeling a little rustier. All kinds of factors play in. I think it's a really, really good opportunity for underdogs. You saw Jessica Pagula make a nice run. She's someone who's not going to be affected by there being not many fans. I don't know. I mean, Shelby Rogers had a good run in Lexington. Uh, Jill Teichman, that's another player that I think is not used to having a lot of fans. And she got to the finals. Jennifer Brady won Lexington. And then since we've seen so many different twists and turns but Naomi Osaka was playing great Elise Mertens to me is a huge huge contender at the U.S. Open I think she's played so well and she has the added bonus of having her coach being her boyfriend so her team is I think only two of them but that doesn't bother her because she has kind of family as well as coaching and that's a big advantage in the bubble.
1: Oh, definitely a big advantage unless something goes wrong in the relationship and then you're kind of very much in trouble but uh, yeah no I, I completely agree with you those are all names we are going to get to at length yeah I think to your point when you br- you know you bring up Pegula uh, bring up Brady people who played World Team Tennis played during the exhibitions I think that's another trend we've seen as, as merge as well someone like Annette Conteve who played in Palermo and has gotten some match experience already in August if you're match tough if you're in shape you just have an it, you know, inherent advantage uh, right now against uh, so many of these opponents who, again, are working their way back into form. And obviously, the level of play was so impressive. We were all getting so excited about the tennis we've been seeing. And then, uh, you know, there was obviously a tragic shooting uh, in Wisconsin, uh, and, you know, that has caused, uh, it, again, a renewed uh, highlighting of some of the police brutality, some of the injust- you know the injustices, the systemic racism in the American justice system. And you know so many athletes, and it really started with the NBA games yesterday. Uh, NBA players announcing that they were not going to play their games on uh, thir- on Wednesday night, and then you know it was a lot of wondering. Okay, how is this going to you know? Are, will other athletes make a similar stand? And then obviously we saw, saw Naomi Osaka make the announcement that she was not going to be playing in her match on Thursday in solidarity with uh, you know to bring attention to uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. It's a decision that we can completely understand, particularly given her history of activism using her platform to raise awareness for so many different uh, social causes uh, going on right now throughout this country. But then we saw something we really haven't seen happen before in tennis, the ATP, WTA, USTA coming out with a joint statement announcing that they were going to cancel play for all of Thursday. Now, since then, we have learned the tournament's going to resume Friday. Naomi Osaka has You know, said she isn't, she's so appreciative of the USTA, the WTA, ATP standing beside her, and she is ready to get back to play on Friday. But, you know, in my history with tennis, and I've really only been watching it very, very closely since 2010, but, you know, I've done research and I just, I really can't think of any historical parallels to this from tennis's past. Can you, Nina?
2: No, it's an incredible moment in time. I think what's happened and what's transpired is just astounding for Naomi Osaka to be that brave and make that kind of stance. And then for the governing bodies to support her so quickly is just, I mean, this year has been completely crazy, but this is, it's an incredible, incredible moment. I think in tennis, obviously a tragic circumstances, but I think it shows that an athlete and, you know, you expect this from the NBA and MLB their teams, right. But for an individual athlete to be able to make such a big impact, And, you know, everyone can say, like, oh, she doesn't need the money from the Western Southern Open. She doesn't need the ranking points. That doesn't matter. She still has to put herself out there and make the statement. And I think it shows that a player of any any ranking, of any kind of sport, can make a really big stand, especially if they have the support that she has. And I don't know how it's going to affect her play. You know, I don't know how this is going to unfold for her. But what's really, really interesting about her is that at Media Day, at the very start of Cincy last week, Cincy in New York, obviously, she said she was asked about Kamala Harris and she said oh you know what like I don't actually really want to I'm not supposed to talk about politics I'm not really American I thought that was really weird and strange and I wasn't sure if maybe she just wasn't comfortable with being asked about it when she's been doing it on her own terms for the past few months I don't really know but I'm glad that she I don't know I found her voice again Not, not that she lost it but that she's she's still doing it you know
1: Mm-hmm. no i i think you nailed it there because that was so uh it was so different than everything else that had happened these past five months naomi Osaka coco Goff so uh so strong so adamant about using their platform to bring light to so many you know Social justice causes, and yeah, look. After the killing of Jacob Blake, it was it was so tragic, and you know, uh, immediately we saw so many athletes turn to social media, use their platform, and it was inevitable. It felt like that someone in the tennis world would step up and do the same, or at least hoping, from my perspective, that someone would. And it doesn't surprise me at all that Naomi Osaka, and you sort of mentioned it, that the courage it takes, the sort of leadership for someone who has two Grand Slams to her name, had you know was the highest grossing female athlete in history last year. None of that mattered to her. This is what matters to her, advancing these causes, bringing light, advancing the conversation to ensure that, you know, no American, but particularly no person of color has to worry about, you know, going out at night and being shot by police unjustifiably. And so for her to step up in this instance and, you know, the WTA, the story of the WTA is so intertwined with the story of advancing and promoting social justice and so many various causes, obviously from Billie Jean King all the way through to Venus and Serena to now Naomi Osaka and Coco Gauff now. And yet the closest parallel I could come up to with Nina was, you know, when South Africa had apartheid policies, they were kicked out of Davis Cup, kicked out of Fed Cup, multiple athletes, including Arthur Ashe, eventually, you know, uh, boycotted playing the ATP event there when the ATP was hosting it. That's about the closest I can come up with, and yet in those times, the ATP still went on and hosted the event. Eventually, South Africa was still allowed to play in just a lower-level Davis Cup group. In this instance, to see the ATP, the WTA, stand alongside of Naomi Osaka— I feel like this is a significant breakthrough in, you know, player empowerment, and maybe it's because it was someone with the platform of Naomi Osaka, um, and maybe that's what it took. But this feels like a breakthrough moment.
2: It does feel like a breakthrough. I mean, I like the parallel you drew there. It's been a while since we've had this kind of stance, and from athletes especially, it's just it's just an insane time, but. Another thing I also noticed was Milos Raonic came in press after Osaka announced that she wasn't going to play. So he actually had no idea what was going on because he was playing. And he was asked, and he had gave, he gave very candid, off-the-cuff answers because he hadn't yet been informed of what was going on. And he made a point saying, you know, I can wear a patch and we can have the BLM um, signage and all of that, but none of that really makes that much of a, a, a stance. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. You know, we have to all come together and figure out what we can really do to make change. And I think pausing play for one day has made a very clear message, but is it enough? I don't know what's gonna happen next. I have no idea. So I, I I'm curious to see what happens next and what what more can come out of, out of this because, you know, I think round is right, like wearing a patch might not be enough.
1: Yeah, and you know the NBA has talked about they don't want to continue the season unless uh, they are using their platform to uh, continue to have this conversation, advance the platform for Black Lives Matter. And if they can't do that, then they don't want to continue. For tennis, it's obviously different circumstances. You know, uh, of course, I uh, all of us here in America are so appreciative to all of these players who stand alongside of these Americans in advancing these causes for social justice. But it's worth acknowledging tennis is an international sport and with all due respect I could understand if a person in France, a person in Britain, a person in Australia, I'm not, you know People in countries across the world, you can go elsewhere as well, and just they don't care what's going on in America. They just want to see tennis, and why should you know their favorite tennis players be sitting out for the you know be forced not to compete when you know Victoria Azarenka she made the semifinal for the first time in quite a bit of time. She wants to continue that momentum, and you know not to say that she's not in. That was just a random name to you know to speak of, but um, I guess it's just. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I I, it, I don't know what tennis does moving from here, because you're right, for the one day, and that, that's my question to you, you saw Black Lives Matter be an active part of the World Team Tennis season, but again, World Team Tennis is an American domestic-based league. Uh, do you anticipate, you know, again, in the intertwining of tennis and advancing these social causes? Do you think there will be any sort of uh, relationship between the two moving forward?
2: Well, if Naomi Osaka is involved, then yes. But, you know, it, it's it, you raise a good point there. It's an international sport. And some of these players have been training for six months, waiting for their chance to play again and for them to have to take a day off or for the tournament maybe to be completely boycotted is devastating to their careers and all the work they've put in, not to mention all the organizers, the governing bodies, all the sponsors, all people that are working and in, inside the bubbles that are trying to make this sport come back. There's so many factors at play, but there's obviously a bigger, bigger message and bigger purpose. So... Do I think tennis can actually like honestly advance it? I don't see why not. I mean, we've, you mentioned Forbes earlier as, 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 well, not really Forbes, but like the fact that Naomi Osaka is the highest paid female athlete in history, nine of the top 10 highest paid female athletes are tennis players. That, that should mean something in terms of platform, in terms of amount of people you have following you, people that are paying attention, eyeballs on you, people that are listening to you. So I don't see why tennis can't also create a big stir and cause a big cause a difference as well. I don't see why not.
1: Yeah, well, for the record, that's why you're an exceptional editor. I forgot to cite my sources. I put a footnote in my head. Yes, I got that stat from Forbes. I appreciate you adding that. Um, Yeah, no, I... I I think you neil it. it's just gonna be it's a really interesting dynamic, and look there's the the big elephant that we all know is hanging you know the cloud looming over all of this, which is the u s t a needs to have the u s open to fund everything else they want to do as a tennis organization, and of course, all of these players also want to make income after five and a half months of not making any money, and there's a lot of financial pressure to host this event that just needs to be stated, and so you know. I think it was partially out of financial necessity. Had the ATP WTA, you know, defaulted Naomi, the backlash from that just horrifying and who knows how other players would have responded to that decision. But at the same time to see Naomi Osaka, you know, say, yeah, I, I, I think she understood like, yeah, this he has to be done by Saturday because we have to get the U.S. Open ready to rock and roll. I feel like the fact that they're resuming play on Friday, it is partially out of financial necessity, right?
2: Right. But also, I mean, imagine if there was, you know, let's say they didn't have the roofs and there was a rain delay and they had a day and they had to like catch up. I and mean, it's not that unusual to have a day off in tennis at all. I think you mentioned a good point, though. Yeah, the U.S. Open, it's, it's going to happen. It has to happen for so many reasons. Finances, of course, being one of the most obvious. But I think the most interesting thing or the most like amusing thing about all this is people's obsession with the bubble. Like the bubble is not a big deal. The Bubble can be great. And players are obsessed with going from their hotel to the tournament site and not going anywhere else anyway. Like this isn't that different for them. So, I mean, that's kind of a random fact there, but I just don't think players (laughs) are that upset about having to go to the tournament site and then tournament hotel and only that it's literally what they do anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we all hear stories there are players who are sneak, or trying to sneak out, at least trying to get into that bubble, trying to get down to the hotel bar, whatever it may be. And look, we all are yearning for social interaction after five and a half months of being pent up. But I think a sneaky fun part of watching these matches has also been seeing all these players in the crowd as well. Like, I, I feel like for a lot of these players, they're like, you know what? I don't have anything else to do. I might as well go enjoy some tennis.
2: Exactly. In World Team Tennis, players had nothing to do, of course. So all they did was watch each other's matches. And Kim Kleister was number one most likely to be spotted in the crowd. Well, not really the crowd. There was like 10 people. But you know what I mean? Like most likely to be there. But she was usually scouting for matches she was going to be playing against like the next day. But now she's just scouting for, it seems like, for the fun and love of the game. And other players as well. There was like, I mean, there's nothing else to do. You're going to go and want to watch your friends. At least you can watch them compete. You know, that's six feet away.
1: Yeah, the only person who could make me upset as a player if I saw them in the crowd would be Mr. Tsitsipas. I'd be like, he's just here for nefarious reasons. He's scouting me. He's breaking me down. I don't trust it. Get him out of the crowd. Um, But yeah, I I think it's been really fun to see all of the play.
0: Hope all of
1: you enjoyed my conversation with Nina Pantic of Tennis.com. And, of course, you can hear more of Nina by going to listening to the Tennis.com podcast, one of our Tennis Channel podcast network brethren. It is always so great to get the chance to pick Nina's brain. That's why I'm so excited to tell all of you listeners again, look out for that Great Shot podcast, WTA Contenders for the U.S. Open, which should drop tomorrow. Uh, It's Nina joining me once again as we try and make some sort of sense of this wide open WTA field. And I'm not going to lie, I I think we do about as good of a job as you can. And it's just always such a pleasure for me to get to work with Nina, such a professional. Always enjoy hearing her takes as well. So well thought out, so well informed. So uh, really happy that we got the chance to work with her. Cracked fans, be ready to hear more of her uh, throughout these next two weeks as we go through this year's U.S. Open. And of course, to get ready for the U.S. Open, be sure to check out all of our preview content here at... Cracked rackets on our website, crackrackets.com, we've got our daily Ace of the Days. We've got preview content from, uh, of course, our interns, Luke Moorhead and uh, Clark Cummings, Vance Vermani Brian Zhang, uh, of course, Matt Stichowiak, your favorite writer, writing on there as well. Be on the lookout for our 5x5s five as we start to do uh, those as the U.S. Open gets closer. Of course, be on the lookout for the Ace of the Day as well. You can see those picks in written form on our website. And I know what some of you might be thinking, no Ace of the Day today, no mini- break recap of Wednesday's action we just want to take a brief pause in that talk about obviously the biggest story in tennis rest assured James Foster McDonald will be joining me on Friday to break down all of Wednesday's matches preview Friday's action and then of course we know the draws have been released we are going to do separate shows for those you will be able to hear them our in-depth breakdown I believe those will be coming out Saturday and Sunday so we've got you covered for all of the action in New York and if you have missed any of that content. You can find it on our website, crackedrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews Podcast, Inside Out Podcast, and be sure to check out all of our content on our YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's also at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at GreatShotPod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westhoff. We are keeping them busy here this week, and so as always, they have a a job to do, and yet there is no one I would trust to do that job more than the two of them, but... With that being said, again, Jamie and I back on the horn tomorrow recapping Wednesday's Western and Southern matches, previewing the action we can expect to see on Friday. Hope to hear, all. Uh, hear, uh, hope to join, I should say, hear from all of you listeners then. So, with that being said, for my wonderful guest, Nina Pantic, our super producers, Max Flieger and Daniel Westhoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aero Bar, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, my name is Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks, that's the And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.